Yeah. Okay. Assalamu alaikum. Uh, what's up, everyone? Everyone. Uh, so, for anyone that knows me, you know that uh, I don't usually uh, subscribe to the audio format. Most ninety-nine uh, percent of the things I do is, uh, you know, just straight up writing, just uh, tweeting, uh, also. But uh, now uh, I felt it very necessary to have this interview, and inshallah, I'm going to be having interviews well a lot more like this in the future. Um, you all know, and and uh, I've been preaching about this for quite a while, this book that I've read recently called The Big Step, How to Survive Islam in the Anglosphere by Mahdi Locke. Uh, Brother Mahdi, do I call, what do I call you? Imam, Sheikh, whatever you Mahdi Locke is fine. Mahdi Locke is fine. No, no. Okay, I, I, I'll just call you Mahdi. Okay, so uh, you wrote this incredible book, which I, I just couldn't believe that nobody else knew about it and that I had to be told about it in, in DMs by a Twitter mutual. And, you know, he, he was he, originally he, he sent me a bunch of excerpts from, you know, the book and he was in the reason he sent them to me was because I was tweeting about a lot of the ideas that you were talking about, primarily just the detriment of a lot of what the Western Muslims in the Anglosphere were doing, a lot of the subscribing to the, to the mainstream uh, media views, you know, in spite of, you know, the many decades that have occurred since 9-11, where they've, you know, They've, they've been against us in some senses, and then they've been with, they suddenly they want to shift things around and be like, oh, yeah, we're actually with you guys. And, you know, and a lot, a lot of Muslims just never caught that, you know, that bait and switch. And that's really been bothering me for a very long time. It's been bothering many Muslims, primarily you know, a lot of the young men who've been following me. So I wanted to have this interview because, you know, you wrote this book in 2016 around when Trump was elected, correct? Yeah, I started, I started writing it. Uh, I think I think actually, actually says the beginning. I think I started writing it around September 2016, and I didn't actually publish it until 2018. Because uh, yes. so I was writing I was writing while that whole thing was happening. So oh, during wow. the election, the post election, uh, there's even points in the book where I mentioned where I said like you know today electoral college is meeting and people are protesting mm-hmm. outside and saying it's all unjust. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it was a very uh, it was a very transformative time, and the transformation didn't stop throughout the the, the Trump years. And yeah, honestly, I, th- th- so much has happened since then that I, I thought it was warranted to, you know, at, uh, you know, I-, I wanted to like ask you a bunch of these questions about, you know, s- the stuff that's changed. If any of you, if any of the views that you put in the book might have changed, you know, based on, you know, things we were going to talk about. So first off, I think the, the, the absolute biggest change that happened was the whole COVID pandemic. You know, a lot of people, mm. they do this when they see pandemic. Mm. They put yeah. Up. yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. And um, so and mostly that's because, and this is something that I think is obvious to a lot of people at this point, even beyond the right wing, is that the response to the vi- to the virus has been ten times more detrimental than the than the effects of the virus yeah. itself. You know, yeah. obviously, we, I think a lot of us know plenty of people who have got the virus who are harmed, harmed by it, but now we're witnessing en masse, you know, from inflation to gas prices to the supply chain issues to mm-hmm. the fact that uh, a, a very significant chunk of people have been literally um just mentally and you know just spiritually you know really wrecked from this and mm. you know they've never been the same uh and really it's this has been far more destructive than anything i think the virus has done so i wanted to ask you uh what what do you think of the response that not just you know worldwide muslim countries but specifically Muslims have had in response because you know there, there is a, there was obviously this big uh, political divide you know it was primarily democrats who were following the rules up until the very end and even beyond the end of when the, when the rules stopped 
Meanwhile, you had Republicans who were, you know, some Republicans were saying, okay, we get it, but you know, there has to be an end to this or else we're never going to get out of it. And the Republicans who were saying, you know, screw all this, we're just, we're just going to not follow any of your rules at all, which, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm more and more, I'm sort of leaning onto their side because it's, we're discovering more and more that they're being vindicated, you know, through a lot mm-hmm. of these studies that are coming out now with stuff regarding, you know, the masks and the vaccine and, and, you know, all, all the social restrictions being absolutely useless. Mm-hmm. So, and what, what I saw primarily here in the U.S. was most messages they did, you know, what they felt was the right thing, they closed down completely for mm. those, I think those first six or seven months. And then after that, you know, it was pretty much following exactly what was re- required on them by the states, you know, just uh, whenever, whenever it was required to close, they closed. Whenever it was, no masks were required, they required masks in the masajid. And I don't believe I've ever heard any masajid requiring the vaccine to enter. That was not the case with my, any of the messages that are around me, but I don't know if you've heard of anything like that. Mm-hmm. So what do you think of that, uh, especially considering, you know, that we pretty much followed exactly what the, the Democrats and the establishment has been telling us to do since the beginning? Okay. Alhamdulillah, I'll sort of sum up Rasulid there. Um, well, to start off with, when, when, when this whole thing broke out in March 2020, uh, I think people can be excused for not knowing what it was, right? This, 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 this was the reaction that a lot of people had, like, okay, we don't know what this is, okay? It's, it's supposedly spreading around the world. It can be asymptomatic. We don't know how it goes from person to person. Is it airborne? Is it surface to surface? So a lot of people did just, as an immediate reaction, they shut down, right? So, a lot, so that's what we saw around the world, like, lock, like lockdown is what happened. Um, is that the term used in the U.S.? Lockdown, shutdown? Lockdown. Yeah, lockdown. Yeah. So, I mean, and I remember that time I did translate a long uh, fatwa ruling from the Wizat al-Awqaf in Syria, uh, explaining this ruling, you know, of, of, of why we could do this, why we could lock down, because we don't know and tell people to pray in their homes. And we won't have uh, Jama'ah, we won't have Salat and Jama'ah, we won't have Jumu'ah until we know what's going on. Um, and that seemed reasonable at first, but as time went on and i i think a big i was just from my, my own personal uh history of this I, I i remember because um i was in saudi arabia at the time and then i left uh i got, I got my wife and i we got a charter flight out um because we just didn't see the point of the same side at that time we came back to the uk to take care of family um but what i noticed november 2020 uh in the uk i was following the uk they made it very very clear that without actually saying it, but it made it very, very clear that we were actually dealing with a non-problem. Now, that might sound a bit offensive to people, but it, it goes like this. The average COVID death, now this, this, this you, you, you compare with other countries, it's the same thing. Yeah. An av- the average quote-unquote COVID death, the average age of a COVID death in the UK as of November 2020 was 82.4. Yeah, 82.4. yeah. I, I believe in, I mean, the United States is around like 87, something like that. Towards the yeah, that's high, right? Yeah. The average life expectancy in the UK is 81.7. Mm-hmm. So COVID is killing people who've already lived longer than they were expected to. Exactly, yeah. Which means yeah, it's a non-problem. That's something that a lot of people were, were talking about at the beginning. And then, uh, yeah, you see, that was the main point, And that, that was something that almost could have gotten us out of it until the whole Delta thing happened, which, you know, surprise, surprise, was only a, a, a little bit, wor- sort of a little bit worse in terms of the actual, you know, yeah, uh, the effects and, and you know the spread and all that, and that was really that was really really they were claiming all kinds of things, especially Fauci. Yeah, like, but but all, but, all, but also, was... yeah, but I can say also in the UK, in the UK as well. Like for example, like they 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 counted the COVID death 
as anyone who died within 28 days of a positive test. Mm-hmm. So even though they were exaggerating the numbers like that, so so for, so for example, you could die, uh, sorry, so you you could have have a positive COVID test and then die three weeks later in a motorcycle accident. That's a COVID death, mm-hmm. right? So even though they were inflated, they're playing they're playing these tricks with it. It still only came to 82 point. Uh, so it's 82.4 and then towards the tail end of it right, right after omicron came out so this was january of this year january 2022 uh someone put up a, a freedom of information request in the U, in the uk and found that out of the supposed 150,000 deaths of uh of covid in the uk only 17,000 were purely covid right yeah. everything everyone, everyone else with comorbidities and so forth only 17,000 people have died purely of covid and their average age was 82 yeah, also, uh, you, see, you see, the reason I'm asking this also is because I think it was a very big reviewing moment for a lot of a lot of Muslims, especially on, you know, my side of, say, the political spectrum or my side of the, the Internet, you know, that I'm involved in, is that it showed just how adherent Anglosphere Muslims are yeah. to, to, to establishment rulings, no matter how absurd or how unreasonable, or how ridiculous they are. For, yeah. Uh, you, you know, like, no matter how, because, you know, one day, some day it was like, oh, six feet distancing, and then three feet, and then, you know, a few months later, it says, oh, we need masks, actually, we don't need masks, mm. and then masks are reinstituted for some arbitrary reason that nobody could prove, and, you know, in spite of all this, Muslims were in, the, in the, especially in the United States, were just sort of move going along with it, and really the attitude I've seen, especially with a lot of the guys, you know, the younger guys around my age was, yeah, but, you know, we just got to follow the rules anyway, which, mm. to be honest, like, really pissed me off at, the, at first, like, and yeah. then, you know, I just found myself, you know, being vindicated as the months went, went by. No, no, I totally agree with you on that because, because I think it's, it's goes down to, it's, it's a lack of talk about the law. I think, yeah, I think exactly. that's what it is. Cause, cause, I actually wrote, actually, yeah, sorry, continue. So, cause I just want to say, cause I, I remember talking to my friends at the time, you know, like-minded people saying that, you know, we're all going to die. <laughs> yeah, exactly. we're, we're all dead and there, and there are numerous ways to die right and and like theologically we call these um aspab jaliya right that's called theologically which you might translate like it's apparent causes right but, but like you're gonna die or you're meant to die whether, whether it's a car crash whether it's cancer whether it's just simply old age or whatever the angel death will come and take your rule and that's it that's the end of it so you can't panic over one cause Right, and this is this is why there's a brilliant video by a psychiatrist in Sweden called Daniel Eberhard. Uh, you can look those. It's a TED Talk, and, and YouTube deliberately suppressed it. They didn't delete yeah, it; they deliberately yeah. suppressed it. But he he was a he's a, he's a um, he's a trauma specialist, right? So he he argued, and this this video came, again. I think it came out like like April 2021. This this TED Talk, Daniel Eberhard, a Swedish psychiatrist, and he said that people around the world have basically been traumatized by the media because the media is coming on every day. Like you turn the TV on, it's like this many people died today of COVID this many people, yeah. you know, and, and, and they're constantly bombarding you with this, right? Yeah. Putting, CNN putting, had, had a yeah. Like CNN and they're putting the figures on. Yeah. Yeah. They're putting, yeah. They're, they're flashing the numbers on the screen. Right. And it, it's, 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 you know, you could do that to anyone. You know, if you did that in your, in your local town or your borough, or your, you're like in your, yeah. your if, like, if the local TV said there were 811 murders in your borough today, Tomorrow it could be you. I mean, that would traumatize you, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, that would traumatize. You. But that's why he said a lot of people were traumatized. But then, but they, but but he said that people really now, um, and it's interesting because you saw this, you saw this in the West, you saw this, and especially in like wealthy Arab countries as well, uh-huh. um, where people are basically security junkies. It's like like people don't realize that you know we live in one of the safest ages ever, 
Yeah. Right. We have we have such long life expectancy. We have some. We we don't have to hunt for our food. <laughs> we don't have to go out and kill people with swords. Just to, you know, just on our way from from one town to another town. Right. We live in a very very safe safe age, but we're so obsessed now with security. When we think like, oh no, what like one thing is disturbing us, we we have to take every drastic measure under the sun or to protect ourselves from this one thing. And and he, and again, he stressed the same point that in Sweden, for example similar statistics you know the average covid death was like 84 yeah the life expectancy is 82 something like that and it's like we need to calm down like this 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 is like really and this is what the new york times even admitted back in january this year i think uh they said that when we look back on this we'll find that covid was just a flu yeah that's all it was there was no, yeah, there was were, no need to shut down the whole economy and that's it. Exactly. And they were publishing this stuff right as uh, people were in the height and, you know, in many countries, especially Canada and Australia, they oh, were yeah. at the peak of their lockdowns, you know, just weeks and weeks of being locked in. And, had, and having quarantine camps. And yeah. Quarantine. And then, and exactly. And then sending them to camps. And then, you know, those who were protesting literally were being beaten. And and, and I think, if, I don't know if anybody, if any of them died. Yeah, no, I, saw, I saw some Canada, the trucker protests. Yeah, like people, yeah people exactly. They were, on. they were treating them. They were trampling them with forces because they were protesting, the, uh, you know, this insanity that was going on, you know, yeah. for up, uh, two plus years. And uh, what I was going to bring up was I wrote I wrote an article on my Substack actually called I called it mass containment of COVID as idolatry, mm-hmm. and you know uh, you know some might figure this is a bold claim but I was basically you know making the point that you know for a lot of these people who are adhering to these COVID rules for a lot of them it's like a religion now. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's, it's this messianic oh. faith where you have like these these figures who talk to them about COVID as you know the main you know as you know almost as if like their divinity or the, their priests. And a lot of these rulings maybe become, you know, the sort of just the rulings that, they, you know, it finally becomes like the laws that they never had to adhere to their, their whole lives because they lived these, these carefree lives this whole time. But also even bigger than that, it revealed just how for how many of these people that their lives were as shallow as they were, you know, the, hmm. uh, the empty lives that they were living. Especially have you, have you, have you looked up the guy, uh, Matthias Desmond, Dr. Matthias Desmond? I've heard of him. Yeah, so so he he he's the one who came up with the theory, and he's been talking to people like Dr. Robert Malone and Dr. Peter McCullough about yeah. what's called mass psychosis. Oh yeah, right yeah. or crowd madness, and and he he said that the the world was sort of primed for this because you know if, if you go if you go to 2019, a lot of people were living very very empty lives. Exactly. Yeah. Right. They were they were living alone. They were not married. They did not have families. They did not have meaningful jobs or whatever. They didn't have jobs, and. You know, COVID came along and it gave their life meaning. Exactly. Yes. That's, you know, like like now I have a cause that I can get behind and I can rally around people and I can like and I can, and I can wear this mask and show how virtuous I am and I can uh-huh. berate people who aren't keeping six feet apart and right. So so they, they cling to this stuff. They cling to this exactly. stuff and 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 to to let it go is just horrific for them because they, uh-huh. then they have to go back to their empty, meaningless lives. So they'll never let go. Yeah, and you and the point that I was making at the end was, you know, if you, if you're a Muslim and you're a dedicated Muslim who you know who has you know talked on Allah, you 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 trust God and you know all all of His consequences and what what He will bring down, then really you should not be adhering to this kind of this this you know this psychophantic uh you know we're just going to follow the rules no matter what and you know, we're just going to treat mm. these, these authorities as if they're the final rule on how we're going to live our lives like mm. it, it, at, at a certain point you have to move on and you know it really it's just un-islamic to you to you know mm. to, to, to uh, adhere to this in the first place you know after, yeah. after it's been proven you know just how useless and futile so much of this has been and you know there was this uh this really horrific research paper which i saw which 
actually trying to justify many of these COVID containment measures by claiming that, you know, the Prophet had, you know, certain plague uh, contain, containment recommendations of his own. You know, for example, you know, you know, I think, you, you know, you know, it's hadith, you know, if, you, if you're living in a place where there is a plague, you should yeah. leave. And if you and if you know of a place where there's a plague, you shouldn't go there. You know, mm. this is obvious for, at the time, but, you know, you can't make this comparison. It's just, you know, first well, of all, well, you well, didn't quarantine have... for sick people. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, not for asymptomatic people. People are not dis- displaying. Yeah, any and this symptoms. is also a time where you know th- there were not supply chains, and, and and it was and you know it, you lived in towns and villages where you knew everybody. It wasn't like mm. it's not like trying to contain 350 million people in the United States, and each government has its own way of thinking. It's just it, it, you can't make such a comparison. It's it was completely moronic to me. Mm. Well, there's yeah. another there's another uh, point about this. I think it was. Um, no, wait, not, not Matthias. It was Matthias Desmond. But I think no, Doctor Steve. Doctor Steve Turley as well. He's he's a, an American on the right. Um, he's actually an Orthodox Christian. He made the, he made the point as well that it, it, it's it's the risk society as well, right? There's a, there's a thing called the risk society where, yeah. you know, like the word the word goodbye, the expression goodbye in English actually means God be with you, mm-hmm. right? And it's this understanding that risk always exists. Right. And when you're, when you're traveling, you know, if you're traveling from Baltimore to Boston, there's going to be some risk involved. Right. So I'm going to say, God be with you. Right. No, you, you, you take the precautions you can, and that's it. You know, it's the same thing. Like you can travel anywhere you, you can do everything. You can do everything you want to your car mm-hmm. to prepare, check the oil, check the water, check the engine. Right. That doesn't guarantee your car won't break down on the way. Exactly. Yeah. It just can be anything. Yeah. So, anything uh, happens. so, so, so he made that point that, but when we get to this point of what's called the risk society, like this is mm-hmm. sort of like the embodiment of secularism. Right. This is this is this is where we we no longer put our trust in a law and we say that uh, we can use technology to mitigate risk, you know, 90 percent or even 100 percent. Exactly. Yeah. And so so that's what it signifies, this this obsession with technology, the obsession with these measures. And you're you're not actually putting trust in law. You're not questioning stuff. So so your your point about paganism and idolatry, this one I wanted to say, is spot on because. There was like there was a uh, a cartoonist in the UK. Uh, what was his name again? He, he writes for. Uh, well, he, got, he actually got fired, but he was oh, a cartoonist for the, tele- for, for, the, for the Telegraph newspaper in London. And and he and uh, there's another guy called Brendan O'Neill who's a he's a like the right wing commentary. And he said that like why he says why is our government treating COVID like it's a like as an angry god, exactly, and and not treating it like it's like it's a disease. It's, it's like okay, it's an angry. Okay, we got to sacrifice something. Uh, everyone wear a mask. Uh, okay. Yep. everyone don't go to work we yeah, must exactly. appease everyone the god <laughs> yep. you see that's the thing and you know for all those people who for all those people especially you know, the, the atheist you know intellectual dork I call, I call them the intellectual dork web uh they, they they you know they've been going on for many decades about you know the the futility of religion and how you know human beings don't naturally adhere to these things well guess what we got covid and all these secular people all of a sudden yeah. uh you know, treating it as a religion and, you know, just in, instinctually performing, you know, religious acts and it's yeah. mitigated, even if they didn't have uh, a mainstream religion that they subscribe to. Mm, yeah. And they, they, they even had in the UK, like, like, like in the beginning of COVID, they had this thing, they actually created this ritual where I think it was like every Thursday or Friday at 8 p.m., everyone outside to clap for the NHS. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we had that in New York City as well. Like, like a bunch of retarded walruses. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, okay. Um, now I want I wanted to get onto this the uh, the election itself. Okay. Uh, you see, you, you know, like we're going in chronological order here. Subhanallah. It's like you you, you had the COVID thing in 2020 when it was you know when when all of the psychosis was at its absolute worst, 
and you had the election in the United States where everybody was looking on and it was not your typical election because all of a sudden we decided that because of COVID, people could not just go and vote in person. You know, this is, of course, after months of summer riots where people were just gathered together and, you know. Yeah, because COVID, you know, COVID doesn't affect virus. You have to remember that. COVID does not affect protesters. Oh, yeah. It doesn't affect Black Lives Matter protesters. But, you know, it's going gonna, it's gonna to affect you and it's going to kill you if you go. If, 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 you, if you protest something else, COVID will get you. But if you protest anything that's left wing, it's fine. Oh, yeah, Absolutely. Uh, knows. Uh, <laughs> yeah so what happened so you know leading up to this election before covid i had many friends actually who were prepared to vote for trump because they were because they, they saw that you know it turns turns out 90 percent of the fear-mongering that was going on about uh trump is going to do this to the muslim community trump's going to do that actually never ended up panning out at all you, know, you yeah. had the muslim ban but you know you actually had a bunch of posts on this about your, on your blog about how it actually was not that much different from a lot of obama era restrictions Mm. And that for example, for, you know, I mean, yeah, I agree that, you know, it was, uh, I, I guess it was horrible for many families who, you know, got cut off from certain, re- from certain relatives when the ban first took effect, but, you know, that, that, you know, was, was ended and guess what, nothing really happened after that. None of the whole Muslim registry things, which by the way, Trump, it wasn't, Trump wasn't the guy who even said that, that was just another hoax. It was, yeah. it was a, the Yahoo News interviewer who suggested that. And then Trump, you know, in his classical deflection tactic said, oh, no, you see, we're looking at a lot of things and he just didn't want to answer the question. Mm-hmm. But, you know, they made, they made it sound like Trump suggested directly that we were going to yeah. yeah. all Muslims. You know, that's just one example. And, you know, and, and all of my, my friends who were saying this, you know, their first and second generation Muslims who, you know, were just like, hey, you know, Trump is doing a very good job. And they were right. The mm-hmm. Trump years were colored by objectively good circumstances. And the only thing that was really making it bad was hysteria, constant, uh, like effeminate. Uh, TDS. Yeah, just the screaming that was going Trump, on. Trump derangement syndrome. Exactly. Yeah, just constantly all like all throughout the Trump years. And especially in 2019, I think 2019 was really the worst of it. And then, and then COVID happened, which just really peaked it all off. And then... You know, and all it took, all it took to, to reverse all that for many of my, you know, normie sort of leaning Muslim friends was the George Floyd incident and then the mm-hmm. summer riots. And then all of that just went down the drain, all of the good economic progress, you know, the booming economy, the, the mm-hmm. wages and all that. And we were going to throw all of that down the drain just because, um, you know, George Floyd happened, summer riots were happening, mm-hmm. some cities burned down. And now out of fear, everybody was just going to vote for Biden now. And it really, like, uh, you know, I, I believe you answered this when we were e- when we were emailing each other, you know, when we originally thought we were going to do this as an email interview. I asked, you know, what, what's, what's it going to take for, you know, English Muslims to sort of get over, for, to get over this, this almost like enslavement into the mainstream narratives, you know, and really actually go beyond and figure out what's within their own interests. So that, for example, you know, you brought up the Orthodox Jews in New York, for example, they vote their own interests no matter what's going on. Yeah. So, so really, like, what, what's it going to take for us to have that watershed moment and actually vote for our own interests, regardless of what's going on, instead of just moving on with whatever the current thing is? You know, for a while, it was the Ukraine thing, which, by the way, uh, you want to know who ended COVID? It was Putin, after all. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who would have thought that, you know, all it took to end the COVID hysteria was uh, Putin to invade Ukraine? So uh, what did you think about all that? What's, what's it going to take for us? Yeah, well, it's 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 going to take some sort of rude awakening. I, I, uh-huh. I, 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 the 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 intellectual wherewithal is just not there. That's 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 what's really sad about this, and it, it's really sad to see that. And I, I did a podcast with this with another bird called Iskander. We talked about uh, and this, I got this idea from Steve Turley talking about you know we're moving away from the mass society to the network society. Mm-hmm. Right. So we're moving like people are creating networks. So it doesn't matter. Like geographical location doesn't matter anymore. 
it's like the city of like like the New York Times, the Washington Post, the Chicago Tribune, you know, CNN, BBC, London. Like like it's, it, that's not important anymore. People are now creating networks, right? So so for example, like if you are people like you and me, like if, if we want to be podcasters or authors, we don't need to go to some agent. Exactly. Yes. Or, or, or hope that someone notices or picks up. No, we we go on YouTube, we go on Substack, we go and we just do our stuff. Yeah, and and if you're if you're going to write a book, then Amazon Publishing and you know uh, Lulu and Spark and all. Yeah, yeah. yeah, they just they just make things so easy for you. You can just yeah to your audience directly. Yeah. So so what that what the, so what that means is, and I, I made this point in the big step. I said like you know so if, let's talk about Trump here for example. Like 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 if 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 you want to know like Donald Trump's positions, you can just go to his website. Exactly. Yeah. Right, you can go to his YouTube channel. You can re- you don't have to go through the filter of the New York Times or the what. You don't have to. They, they don't have to tell you who Trump is. You just you can listen to Trump himself and say, "Hmm, make your own opinion." And, and it's not just him. It's, 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 it's all politicians. But you know, uh, I remember getting to some uh, discussion with some Muslims about like uh, some Muslims having a discussion about like like what do you think about Jordan Peterson, right? Oh yeah, you know, <laughs> you know and and uh, and some Muslim like forwarded something from like you know the the, the, the uh, what's it called uh, the Herald Tribune I think it's like a Canadian newspaper and it was calling Jordan Peterson a transphobe. My response was like, why are you reading the Herald Tribune? Yeah, and like, plus if you're you... and if you're a Muslim, then why do you care about you know so called allegations of transphobia? Yeah, that, that too. That too. <laughs> that too. But but it doesn't make sense. It's like let's say Jordan Peterson has his YouTube channel. Like you, you can actually go listen to his lectures. Yeah, the guy's been posting his lectures for decades, I think. Or no, 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 but he's been on YouTube for about six years now. I think. Oh, no, six years? I think earlier than that, because I think there's videos of him uh, Yeah, there's all there's all the videos of him in like terms of his YouTube channel, it's like 2016, but he's he's been on like um local TV. Oh no, Canada I think yeah, 2016 is when he got on he's been posting lectures of uh, I think of lectures actually. I think I misspoke of lectures he's been giving for a very long time. I yeah, yeah, because there's because there's a because I used to, I used to live in Canada. There's a there's is a local TV station called TV Ontario. Uh-huh. And he's been he's been on there for a long time, like just like as a guest uh, you know. Oh yeah, and, and back then much. and back then he wasn't some right-wing extremist, he was just a regular guy. <laughs> yeah, but he became right-wing extremist because he spoke out against things. But uh-huh. but the whole, the whole point is like in this day and age, if you if you want to create an especially with a person, if, if you want to create an opinion about a public person, you can just go to them directly. You can, you can listen to the yeah, lectures. Yeah, here's the thing. If you tell Muslims interviews. that, yeah, and if you tell Muslims that, especially the left-leaning ones in the United States, they'll be like, oh no, Trump lies and he hides and he does this. I'm like, and then, you know, I hear What does that. he lie about? Name, exactly. name a lie. I hear that and think, okay, you're claiming that, but at the same exact time, you're claiming that he's stupid, that he's unable to, that he's unable to form coherent yeah. thoughts of his own. And, and you're also saying, to, to contradict those two other things, is that, oh no, you, um, that, you know, uh, actually, no, forget about it. You know, there's, there's forget about it, just one lost thought, but basically they make all these claims about him which contradict each other. And it's, it's all just like, you know, pick one of the two. Either he's very stupid and he doesn't know what he's saying or either he knows exactly what he's saying and that we have to be careful. Actually, no, that, that's exactly what I was going to say. I was going to say that they also claim that, you, you know, he's going to say this one thing and it's going to incite all of his followers to do these extremist things. And the dog like, whistle. Exactly. <laughs> like, so how... How are you going to say that him saying these things is dangerous and serious, and at the same time say that you mm. can't listen to him to see what he really wants? It's just, it doesn't mm. make any sense. But that, but that's my point of the big step. Like pe- people didn't realize, people didn't like like Muslims didn't realize they didn't realize that the mainstream media did to Trump what they always do to Muslims. Exactly. Yeah, it's the same playbook. They 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 take same out of context. They, they 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 blow stuff up. They exaggerate, and then they portray you as you know they'll take any Muslim portrayal as an extremist. That's what they, they did the exact same thing to Trump. Uh-huh, exactly. And this was a knockout line in your book. And I highlighted this like 
really like I, if I could if I could highlight something like twice over, I would do that in your book. And it was and when you when you went over like the mainstream media and our and some adherence to it, you said this. You said for many years Muslims were saying we were misrepresented in the media. They make us look like terrorists. They show us in this way and that way. But and then all it took was for Trump to come along, and then all of a sudden everything that they were saying about Trump, about the, about the EU, about Brexit, about all of these things. All of a sudden, we could trust them on this, right? But yeah. We, but we can't trust them when they talk about us. It's yeah. like make you make up your mind. Either we trust the mainstream media or we don't. You know. It's, yeah. It's, yeah. It's, 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 it's something. I don't think about this one. There's something. You know. You know Michael Christian, the author of Jurassic Park. Um. I, I well, I know him from Jurassic Park, but I don't know. I don't yeah, know. yeah, he's, 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 he's but he, but he had this thing. He, he called it the Gelman amnesia effect. It was it, he said it wasn't as scientific, but he's was, he was kind of he's kind of tongue in cheek. But he called it the, the Gelman amnesia effect. Mm-hmm. He named it after a friend who was called Gelman, so it sounds more more fancy. But his point was, he said that he said that if you, if you, if you pick up a journal, right? Let's say you, you pick up a journal or a newspaper, and it covers different topics, right? And you read. And you read an article on the topic that you're an expert in, mm-hmm. right? Something that you are familiar with, whatever your field is, or it's a religion, or whatever it is. You, like you read this up, and you realize that the article, you read the article, and you realize this guy is just full of it. It's complete nonsense. There's it's mistakes, it's lies, right? At that point, you should put the whole thing down, right? You don't go and then read the stuff that you're not an expert in <laughs> and believe it, right? Yeah. That's, that's common sense. Isn't it? That's how it should be. It's like, okay, I'm an expert. Like, 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 if you're like, okay, I'm, I'm an expert in Palestinian history. This guy's lying. <laughs> I'm yeah. not going to go and read the, ne- the next article about, you know, biological, you know, molecular biology or whatever it is, because mm-hmm. I can't, I, you can't trust the source. But this is, this is what the Muslims do. They, they, have, they have this, this weird, in the West, this weird issue with the media where it's like, the, the the media is to blame for Islamophobia. The media does this to us, but when the media talks about anything other than Islam, we can trust them. Yeah, it's a, it's it's a, it's this big inferiority complex and insecurity yeah. that a lot of Muslims have, where it's like you yeah. know, they, they 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 don't want to trust their you know their own experts and their own sources and their own research. But so instead, they're just gonna they're gonna go to whoever's closest to yeah. them and agrees with them and says the things that they want to say. Yeah, it's it's, and, it's uh, inferiority. And, yeah, inferiority yeah, complex. Uh, yeah, so you know. To segue into, into my next question, um, at the time I wrote this question, actually, uh, it, it was around the time when the Roe v. Wade uh, decision was leaked. Uh, yes, I believe, yes. I believe maybe, it was yeah. exactly a month ago. And, you know, there's a, a lot of this hysteria. Are they going to repeal it? Are they not? And lo and behold, uh, at the time of this recording, exactly around 24 hours ago, they it happened to yeah. Roe v. Wade. Yeah. And, uh, the, well, to, to say what I think first, I think it was a great decision because First of all, even speaking non-Islamically, if you go into the actual to, to the actual document of Roe v. Wade at the time, I think was, I, I believe it was 1973. Yeah, 1973. Okay, thank you. Mm-hmm. And if you, it, the the reasoning behind it is extremely moronic, and 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 really, it's it's a shock that this was something that was acceptable at the time to write. And really, what what it did was it stopped America from having any reasonable debate about what what you know when should abortions be allowed, when should it not be allowed, what are the time frame limits? For example, if you go, and you know a lot of Americans like to go, why can't we be like Europe? Because well, a lot of European countries actually have stricter abortion laws than a lot of you know red state uh, red state American uh, American places do. So so you know make up your mind. And, and, you know, Europe was able to come, to come to those laws and say, hey, you know, we have exceptions for stuff like rape, for stuff like a, a lot of these whole list of medical Health emergencies. Yeah, like, you know, uh, 
situations where the mother's life is threatened or where the baby is not going to survive regardless so you need to have an abortion and you know and guess what in islam we could take all these things into consideration and you know, hmm. you know i uh, yeah i think muhammad hijab he tweeted this uh the other day but you know i had a slight disagreement with him about his attitude towards it was that guess what we uh, there's almost ijma' on the fact that if a woman is raped then she can have an abortion Mm-hmm. And also, you know, the in, in I think in the Handali school of thought that you know within forty days you don't really need an exact reason for a woman to have an abortion. Correct me if I'm wrong on that, but that's that's what I saw him say. And I, and I think and I thought to myself, yeah, I see that's correct. But the point we're making here is that this is not what the American left is asking for. And the, the reason they've been freaking out about this is that you know this whole rule by judges, you know, which is really ironic because they say, oh, you know, we don't want rule by judges. They repealed Roe v. Wade. Well, guess what? It was also seven white men who caused Roe v. Wade in the first place. And they, and they didn't want this to go to the states because if it did go to the states, then guess what? You'd have to have an actual debate about it in the courts. You'd have to file lawsuits. You'd have to argue and, and you know. Well, the states, the states will decide now. Exactly, yeah. And that's, that's, what, that's what's already happened. So like the red states have already made it illegal. Yeah, yeah. They, they had trigger like bans. And then, you know, you know you'd have to, have to go to them and be like, hey, well, guess what? We need exceptions. But they mm. didn't want to do that. And if even, even if you did offer to them these exceptions, of say we want exceptions for things like rape and incest and you know all the, all this big list of medical issues they would have refused them because that's not what they're asking for what they're asking for is this demonic you know satanic uh ritual sacrifice of, of we, we want abortion without apology at any time in the pregnancy which is absolutely well, and they, they they've also gone they, they've also brought up terms like post-birth abortion uh, yeah, I think so. some of them, uh, the absolute more extreme ones, have brought stuff up like that. And you yeah, know, I think some. Of I them... mean, there was there 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 was a, there was a guy. Oh, what was he? he used to go on the Alex Jones' show. What's his name? Um, Joe Biggs. Joe uh-huh. Biggs. He, he he he's an Iraq War veteran. Yeah, he, he actually uh-huh. has a tattoo on his right arm that says Kafir in Arabic. Ouch. Okay. <laughs> yeah, but but he but I'm saying he he went he as as a thought experiment he went to a university in Texas I forget which one one of the major universities in Texas with with a with a fake petition saying would you support post birth abortion up to the age of five Oh my god! And yeah. people were and people were signing it. People were just like like as, as, what looked like a Muslim woman. Some girl in a hijab signed it. Ah. Uh. Yeah, while she's signing it, like Joe, really surprise me Joe anymore, Biggs yeah. just looks at the camera like, yeah, like he can't <laughs> believe it himself. Yeah, see, and the reason I'm, I'm asking this because you know, also the whole Muslim uh, reaction to it. You know, a lot of um, American Muslims, particularly American Muslim women, were freaking out about it because you know they interpreted it as, oh no, 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 in Islam you can have abortion for a variety of reasons. I'm like, no, 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 you can have abortion <laughs> for a select number of reasons, which make which actually make up eight something like less than ten percent of yeah. the reasons of of the eight hundred thousand abortions yeah, that are in the United States each year. And, you know, which I, I absolutely despise this attitude that they have where they want to invoke Islam basically whenever their, their interests warrant it. Yeah. Like, you know, it, you, Islam, you Islam equals liberalism. Just accept it. Exactly. Islam like, equals liberalism. It's the same thing. Islam in, in any of these other cases where it goes against your interests, but you're, but you're going to go and invoke Islam when it comes to the issue of abortion, which, you know, is something that, by the way, if you're a young Muslim girl, why do you even care about this so much unless you're, you know, you live in a state are, where are you fornicating? Are you fornicating? Yeah, exactly. Are you fornicating? Are you not? Are you fornicating? Like really? Like, is, actually, is, 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 is this revealing what? of many of the attitudes of some of these young, of these young, you know, no, no, women? Which... No, I, I say that. I, I say that because, like, like again, people are not looking at the bigger issue here, right? There, there's, there, there's, you know, you, like you have to step back with the bigger picture. Like, if we step back, to take one step back, we can look at the fact. And I, I was digging this up yesterday because I was talking to a friend of mine, 
there was a statistics about abortion. So 86%, apparently in the U.S., 86% of abortions in the U.S. are from unmarried women. Yeah. Unmarried women. So what does that tell you? That tells you that the, the, the problem here is not really abortion. It's actually sex outside of marriage. Exactly. Yeah. It's fornication. And, That's a yeah. big problem. And if and you then, the repeal abortion, then guess what? Women would have to make more intelligent decisions about who they sleep with. Exactly. They might have to consider getting, I don't know, married first. Yeah. Right. That, that, would, that would be brilliant. Um, and then, and then the other thing, I'm mean, just dig this up. There was a statistics I read yesterday showing that, um, like in in the U.S. again, in terms of why people get divorced, I think you just touched on this. Like mm-hmm. uh, something in the range of about 93 percent of all abortions are just elective. They're purely elective. Yeah, yeah. They're nothing, nothing, nothing to do with health. Nothing to do with the need for mercy. Not not, not rape. Just like oh, I don't feel like it. I don't really want to have kids. I've got my career. I've got university. I've got this. So yeah, what? Like so, all- yeah, I remember I saw this I, this horrible tweet today where some some artist, which uh, I, I take special offense to this because I am an art, an, an, a visual artist myself, which mm. is uh, you know she she basically uh, had 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 a uh, it was a picture of a woman dressed as a knight holding a knife to her throat, and the caption was something along the lines of her, basically her being forced to hold a baby, and then and then in it, it was like in this sort of like you know weird mm. fantasy thing or it was like oh you have to hold the, you, ha- you have to carry this through because you know the baby's going to be great and then she said what about my greatness i was like your greatness well, what, what's your greatness having an hr manager career at goldman sachs yeah and drinking, and drinking soy uh, drinking soy lattes and you know getting yeah. you know, excuse my language but getting railed by strange men at, on occasion mm. like this is this is not greatness this is a, a vapid empty life that you're aiming for and you're calling it you know and this is what you're going to sacrifice having a family for this is not this is not a good argument like if, if you're going to come up with propaganda for your side at least come up, come up with something better than that yeah well that's that that, that, that that's the sad reality of it. i mean it's, it's not it's not, not even muslims it's not just muslims who are, acknowledge this people plenty of people are not muslim acknowledge this the fact that they like when when you get old and you go into like your, your, your later years of your life and you approach death Mm-hmm. you want family with you exactly that's it you want your family you want your husband you want your wife you want your kids you want your grandkids that's because your clients and your customers are not going to care uh-huh <laughs> yeah and guess not- what the, uh, jordan peterson also he pointed this out he said you know the big swath of women who are in these professional careers a lot of them you know you know when do they leave their careers they leave it around like you know 29 30 yeah, you know, yeah. because they, because they, they they come to realize hey like i don't want to work for the rest of my life i want to have a family yeah but you know they're coming to this realization on their own so you know why waste all that time yeah i'll, I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll give you i'll give you an example i'll give you an example i know it's my own family because again my, my family is not muslim and um i've got like my 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 father's generation my parents generation the aunts and uncles they, they grew up in that first wave of feminism like the 1960s you know whatever a man can do a woman can do so i've got um an aunt and uncle this is my dad's brother and, and his wife they live in budapest in hungary mm-hmm. and i was visiting them this was like way back in 2003 because i actually went over there to a tefl course right i was staying with them and you know and they 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 both trained as lawyers right they both trained as lawyers um but at this stage my, my, my uncle was the lawyer working uh, doing very well and then she was a housewife right after 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 training after training as a lawyer and everything she was just now a housewife taking care of two kids and when I was there, you know, you know, like Formula One motor racing. You know, Formula One motor racing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so the, the the Hungarian Grand Prix was that weekend when I was there, and um, 
my aunt, she had an old friend from school who was passing through because she was now some high-flying executive uh, with British American Tobacco. And they had a car at that time, the British American Racing. So they met, and I, I sat down and we lunch, you know, when I'm like the Saturday thing, we had a lunch and, and, and my, my aunt pointed out to me afterwards, she's pointed out that her friend was being very awkward with her kids because these people are all like 40 plus at the time. And she said, we all fell for that stuff that whatever a man can do, a woman can do and have your career and so forth. But she said, listen, I gave up for that. I'm now at home with my kids, with, with, with my husband. I'm happy. Whereas my friend looks pretty much traumatized because she's realized that it's too late. You know, she's there 40 years old and she came and she came to lunch. She's like 42. She came to lunch with her boyfriend, mm -hmm. you know, and it's like, she doesn't know how long it's going to last. He, he, yeah, he it's, works, you know, it's horrible. Scene, like that. Yeah. It's a horrible thing to see. And so she actually was telling me, this is my aunt. She was telling me that I feel so lucky that I didn't actually go down that route. I actually, I got married and I've got my, I've got my family, I've got my kids and I'm happy. Mm -hmm. And people don't realize that like this, this, uh, at that young age, people don't, don't see it, but it's like, there, there's so much meaningless, so much meaningfulness about the family. Now we say family, cause let's, we take, we take, take two steps back. Um, uh, again, I was listening to Dr. Steve Turley. I like this guy, Steve Turley. You may, may have noticed because he just gives a nice conservative scholarly approach to things. Yes. Um, he said, he said, listen, this whole Roe v. Wade thing is basically the end of liberalism. Oh, yeah. Head, it's been decapitated yeah, it's about, now. Uh, some people see it as the, you know, cutting off the head. But I, I also talk to a lot of people, you know, really like I, I'd, I'd say they're big voices and say the right wing. But they say this is it's sort of like takes out one of the legs underneath them, but the job, it's basically a smaller victory in their view. He, he saw it as a bigger victory because he, you know, his way he put it, I thought it was really good. He, the way he put it is, is he said that the whole point about abortion, right? Because again, again, people have to understand that, that again, the, the, the court does not legislate. The, all, all the court has done is say that abortion is not a constitutional right. Exactly. Right. It doesn't mean people are flipping out. It doesn't mean that abortion is now illegal across the United States. No. It's a state's I issue. Like, I feel like if we went around and asked people, we'd find a shocking number who actually. Yeah. A lot of, a lot, I, saw, I, saw, I, saw, I saw some comments on Muslim Twitter yesterday. Some Muslims like don't, they, they don't get it. They don't, they don't, they don't know Islam on abortion. They don't know yeah, on abortion. Yeah. They don't, they don't know. Right. They're, 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 they don't know why they're angry. Right. And now they're going to burn down and riot in Democrat cities and Democrat states where abortion is still legal. But anyway, um, but his point was that like what Roe v. Wade did back in 1973 is it kind of, it gave, it sort of gave a platform, like it gave him a leg here. It gave liberal ideas legs, which is because the, the liberal idea is that the family is merely a lifestyle choice. Yes. Amongst other choices, right? That's all the family is, right? right. Whereas from a conservative point of view, and again, any, any like religious people, Muslims, we, we, the family is the bedrock of civilization. The, the, the family is the bedrock of everything, right? When you, mm -hmm. when you have a happy, healthy family, mother, father, kids, and everyone, and, the, and then from there, you build community. From there, you, you, you build a, your, obviously a religious community. That is where you have a thriving civilization, right? Yes. These people came up with this idea of, well, it's just, it's just a lifestyle choice. And then out of, off, on the back of feminism of like, you know, whatever a man can do, a woman can do, and all that kind of stuff is this whole idea. Well, you know, if, if men can sleep around, the women can sleep around, right? If, if men don't have to deal with the consequence, consequences of fornication, then women have to deal with the consequence of fornication. So that's what Roe v. Wade was all about. It, it, there's, there's, a, there's a deeper sickness to it. There's an anti-family angle to it. So the, so the fact that that's now been abolished, 
it's, it's, it's been it's been canceled out, and now we, now, now the goes back to the states. This actually allows for you know the family, the importance of the family to now come back full circle and people yeah, and to take center stage again. Yeah, I, I I really hope that's the case. Um, I'm I'm it's it's making me a lot more optimistic now that we you know, we're, we're getting win after win basically. Yeah, you know, yeah uh, of course. For, for any for any of us who are conservative. So uh, my next question, uh, this is something a, a bit more serious, but also uh, a bit more on the funny side to me personally, because I, I love to delve into these things. You, uh, the biggest foreign policy story of the last year, I believe around September of last year, which was the fall of Afghanistan to the Taliban. Mm. And uh, when that whole debacle happened, I'm sure you were watching closely as much as the rest of us. Mm. Something very interesting was happening was that as the Taliban were basically steamrolling everyone, in, in, you know, mm. they... they all, you know, the whole U- U.S. Uh, forces pulled out the, the mm. whole, you know, Afghan government. You know, I do this with my fingers because it was it was a fake, uh, yeah. you know, liberalized, you know, put so up. It was, a, it was a Western puppet government. Yeah. yeah. And what happened was, you know, the reaction online was, you know, you'd think, you know, if you ask people 20 years ago who would be, uh, who, would hate, who would hate seeing this the most and who would love seeing this, you'd think that all the Muslims would be so overjoyed to see that the Taliban were taking over. And that, you know, all the, you know, the classic white Americans who were fighting the, that war over there would be absolutely, you know, devastated. But what happened instead and what I saw was that many on the right wing, you know, lots of, and especially, not, well, not especially, but lots of veterans even, were actually happy to see that it was, it was ending, you know, with such humiliation to the American regime. Yeah. And, you know, the, and this, the, the absolute destruction of this horrific attempt to liberalize a country like Afghanistan. Yeah. And the, the U.S. embassy is actually flying the rainbow flag there. Oh, right? yeah. Yeah. They did that last year. And, you know, and I just loved seeing all these State Department flunkies just losing it online. And, you know, just yeah. the, the, and, you know, the, I think some some ex-CIA woman who is now a, a journalist basically saying, oh, no, please don't post pictures of, you know, the fall of Kabul and comparing it to the fall of Saigon, you know, uh, how many decades ago. And, you know, and a lot of the guys that I was following, uh, you know, and there's, well, there's one guy I want to bring up later on. I'm not sure if I should bring him on. Yeah, I should talk about him while we're recording. But, you know, he was basically saying, you know, no, you should post those pictures and you should, uh, you know, basically torture them with it online as much as possible because this, okay. is what they, this is what they deserve. And guess what? The people who were lamenting it the most and who I was seeing was lamenting it was, you know, a lot of liberal Muslims who were actually freaking out and going on about, oh, no, you know, what about, you know, all the all the women and, you know, the, 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 the niqab and, you know, and all this stuff and basically freaking out. And I go, hey, listen, you don't have to agree with the Taliban. Obviously, you know, they're a lot more extreme than, you know, mainstream Muslims are a lot more extreme than we are. But mm. guess what? Like, this is reality. Like, they, they earned their mandate to rule, whether you like it or not, and, and, mm. you know, and however brutal they want to do it. And guess what? It was not as brutal as yeah. they thought it was going to be. They just, they just took over, and they ended up forgiving a big chunk of the people who were, who were actually collaborating with the U.S. A lot of people don't know this. As, you know, as long as they joined and they turned they turn coded, then guess what? We weren't, mm. weren't going to hurt them. And really, just it was completely shocking to me just seeing this absolute flip because you know you'd think that these Muslims would you know they'd be neutral or just not speak about it at all. But guess what? They were actually taking the side of the State Department and of the U.S. establishment of freaking out about why you could not liberalize a country like Afghanistan. Um, there's this very nice clip on YouTube. I, um, I, I I heard clips of it, but I couldn't find the actual video itself of a historian. His name it was Edward Edward Lutvak. Do you know him? No, I'm not. no, you should go and see his videos online. He actually wrote a really nice, some really nice books on strategy and, the, and you know, military stuff where he, ta- where he talks about, you know, just the, the absolute insanity of the mentality of these people who are trying to, you know, liberalize a country like that, which is like, you know, if you can't turn a, a country like Afghanistan into Sweden, 
And he says, you know, yeah, maybe you can in theory, but you'd have to do it over uh, like three generations and kill 75% of the men mm. in order to do something yeah. like that. But, but, but really, and then, you know, and, and he was saying, you know, you talk to the people who are involved in the whole planning for Afghanistan, like, oh, we're going to build libraries and schools for girls and stuff like that. And, you know, if, if, you, and if you bring up any of these concerns to them, they, they exclude you and they, and they mm. take you out of it and they say, oh, no, you're racist. You're, you're, be, you're being a bigot. Like, how dare you think that these people can act like Swedes do? It's just complete insanity. So, you know, I, I wanted to why get would they, why, 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 why are Swedes the peak of civilization? Yeah, like, what? I, I don't understand. I don't understand that. Uh, but, um, but uh, you see, the thing is, what, again, this, uh, I, I was thinking about this earlier today, and I think, like, this, this is why um, I think I, I was quite correct in my book, because I, I think what, Muslims in America don't realize is that the tide is very much turning and that that whole neoliberal global order is crumbling. And in its place is coming a multipolar um, traditional religious world. Yeah. Right. People, people, people are, that, that whole one size fits all secular neoliberal order is dying. And, and, you know, what's happening in Russia right now is that, and Afghanistan is another example of this. Right, like like people people don't care about it anymore. There, there, there was a, there was a brilliant clip that went around uh, like after the Taliban took over, some Western reporter, I think from the UK, mm-hmm. and she was interviewing some Taliban leaders about uh, you know their, their their governing policies, and they're they're outside. They're what actually said, and and the Taliban leaders just listening to them, and, and she asked, okay, what about this? What about that? And then they ask about like women's rights, you know, like, so if a woman wants to run in parliament, oh, yes, like, hey. yes. yeah. and then, and then the Taliban leaders just listen to her. They look at her and then they just burst out laughing. They just laugh <laughs> in her face and say, stop recording. Please. <laughs> yeah. It's ridiculous. There was a clip actually exactly like that where uh, some, some woman, I think some British journalist, she was in Afghanistan and she was interviewing one of the, the, the main Taliban spokesperson. I forgot his name, but you know, his face is a bit well known at this point. And she was asking him about like, oh, but what if, what if a woman wants to do this? What if they do that? And he was just looking at her, just like really, just like he, he didn't want to like, you know, freak out. He was just looking at her, just like doing this. Like, are you serious, <laughs> woman? And I saw the funniest tweet by um, Richard Hanania. He, um, I don't know if you know him, he quote tweeted it really, I, just amazing tweet. He said, uh, what you can see here is a religious fanatic that's vying for world domination, talking to a member of the Taliban. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's so really, it's just like, yeah, it's just complete switch now, and like, really, it's just, you know, completely absurd, you know. Yeah, because because that's that that because that's what the, the the neoliberal secular like le- that's what they are now. They they are the intolerant fanatics, and yeah. they, and they're and they're not they're not accepting that you know we have different cultures in the world and people want to do their, do things differently, and we, we don't subscribe. People do, we're not subscribing as one size fits all neoliberal globalist order. And, yes. that, and, that, and that's why everyone's going their own way. Afghanistan's going their own way. Russia's going their own way. China's going their own way. India's going mm-hmm. their own way. Everyone's going their own way. And, and yeah, Brazil, and, and they don't say, care. Yeah, I mean, when you say a multipolar uh, traditionalist religious world, I also assume that you're including within that, you know, the the left that is also transforming from, you know, what they were, say, 20, 30 years ago into their own sort of, you know, I, I, I personally call it satanic kind of religious doctrines. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. I, I hadn't thought about that. But yeah, I mean, because I think what's going to happen Okay, if you if you if you take this Roe Ro v. Wade decision, now you got to remember Clarence Thomas, Justice Clarence Thomas, he said we're going to look at this stuff. We're, we're going to also look at contraception and same sex marriage as well. Oh yes, you see that was that caused a lot of uh, gnashing of teeth among the liberals when they saw that part. <laughs> yes, but but the whole, but the whole point is again, it's, it's going to be like Roe v. Wade. This would, this would be a state's issue. 
mm-hmm. right? It's it's not it's not for the for the for the court to say that this is a constitutional right. It's for it's a state's issue. So what's going to happen is you're going to see a very very clear divide between blue states and red states, mm-hmm. right? Like I was talking to my friend from Texas earlier, and I and I said, you see, like something like this will probably prevent more Californians from moving to Texas. Oh yeah, yeah, just, right. Yeah, and he's, line, he's, yeah. he's he said I said I'll, I'll hold the ones that are there go back. <laughs> oh, yeah, I've, heard, I've heard from many Texans actually they 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 despise a lot of these Californians who moved uh, during the pandemic who you know really just amazing thing that was happening then too was you know they were supporting the pandemic measures but then they were fleeing them for states yeah. that did not have pandemic well what's it, did it wasn't it AOC uh, who's from where you are AOC, what, yes, she, yes. She, she was the one in Washington complaining and saying, saying that Florida is this horrible place where I mean, DeSantis doesn't care in Florida. yeah yes. without a mask on uh-huh yeah yeah, which is, I, think, I think it was the I think it was like when uh, Texas repealed one of its COVID laws like for good, and then they said that they were never going to do it again. And ABC, ABC was aggressively tweeting about it while she was in Florida. <laughs> <laughs> like everyone's going to die. This is so reckless yeah. and irresponsible. It's it's but you're so 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 the so this is a good thing because you know again it's, it's kind of like the leftist um, way of doing things is that they had these horrible economic policies that you know just lead to like high crime, high taxes, high prices, and so forth. And yes. then they don't accept responsibility for it. And then they flee the disaster mm-hmm. they made. And then they go somewhere else and ruin that place. Okay. So, <laughs> yeah. So onto, my, onto what I want to talk about, uh, talk about next is more relating to your book. Now, I thought it was extreme, very interesting that before we started talking about a lot of the problems that like, English Muslims had, you first opened the book talking about a lot of, um, you know, advice and, you know, to converts, you know, and you almost, almost as if you were dedicating that first third of your book to converts, yeah, and talking about you know the really just the deeply flawed Taoist system that we have currently in the United States, you know, with celebrity imams who you know truly treats as a numbers game, you know, mm-hmm. really no big emphasis on faith based salvation, you know, stuff like that. And I want to ask you that you know you talk a lot on a macro level what what's wrong with you know the American Muslim style of doing these or things. Or just what's American? Like I'm talking about the Anglos here in general. So that oh yeah, you know, the Anglos Applies yeah, to the UK absolutely. and other places, yeah. Yeah, and you know a lot of these Muslim organizations, you know, which are based in the West, you know, what they've been doing wrong for many decades now. Um, I want to ask you, what can an individual Muslim do who wants to break out of this? Like, you, especially you know, guys, guys like me, guys, you know, you know, not everyone's going to be like me, you know, and be a lunatic online and write about these controversial topics. Uh, what 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 can the individual like Muslim do to sort of you know not also break out of this, but sort of try and you know lead lead a life that lead a life that's you know away from all these things or or at the very least you know i don't know if you have much faith in in actually trying to fix some of what's going what's going on here okay um well i think it was one of the major chapters in the book was i stress the arabic language right yes which i think you can you're also from arab you're in arab yourself yes yes uh i I speak in you know right now yeah so so you you have that advantage but but i think a lot of people don't have that you see so so yes what what i stress in that book is like once you pick up Arabic and you actually step out of like the bubble of say, you know, American Islam or British Islam, then you go off to the Muslim world, you know, you go off to somewhere like Morocco or Egypt or Syria or wherever, you know, um, you know, if there's no war, obviously it's yeah. safe. Right. Um, and you, and you step out of that bubble and then you, and you actually go somewhere. Cause again, from my personal experience, like I, I, I had the ability to go to Morocco, like not long after being Muslim. And I actually got to go somewhere where, you know, everyone is just of one accord. Yes. Right. Everyone's yeah, just, I've lived in I've lived in a Muslim country. Uh, from, I'm not going to say where. There's there's quite a few details about myself I don't disclose. But yeah, I've been in a, I've been in a Muslim country for quite a bit, significant chunk of my childhood, and 
really like it, there were a lot of aspects of it which personally yes i do agree i i, I miss and i mm. think was was really just showed me like the really stark difference between you know just the of how you know those foundational things that you mentioned in your book like like you know everything's accommodated for you know ramadan and for for you know people take off take the day off on friday and people underestimate just how much those foundational things really affect the attitudes people have towards islam especially mm. muslims themselves even the ones mm. who are here in the west yeah so so that's the, that's the one thing i would say like as a start is like just, just spend some time because again when i was in morocco it's like everyone's everyone's just maliki ashari it's just yes. standard everyone does eat on the same day ramadan on the same day mm-hmm. and people just do it right people people aren't, aren't talking about islam all the time yes they're just yes. doing it they're just doing it mm-hmm. there's going to the masjid praying they're doing the other car they're getting on their business and they're you know, not listening to, to silly stupid arguments all the time and yeah. if people have an issue and again because again like morocco's a good example i was in fez is like you know you know there's there's the Qarawi university they have their other man they have their 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 moraja their their sources their authorities they refer to <clears throat> and <clears throat> regardless of who people you know I, I learned this the whole way through like while i was there so i lived there five years in total um is that everyone has a, everyone knows their place Right, so everyone knows. Okay, if I have this issue, I, I have to go to the mufti. If I have this issue, I'll take it higher to the fakhi. If it goes on the big, there's a qadi. It's 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 a structure. There's infrastructure in place yes. that doesn't exist in the West. Well, that yeah. that does that doesn't exist. So, so that's so if you can learn Arabic and you can and you can get yourself to the Muslim world and actually see how things are done, and then you have access to the books that are being written and, and you can listen to the other man. That's why. Like my YouTube channel. That's why I'm, I'm, I always put up videos. I, I like to share videos by people like Imam Bolti, Imam Sharawi, Imam Muhammad Tabi of Morocco. I like to share these videos to, just to show people, like, look, you know, these, 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 these are the actual authorities of the religion. These are the people that you should be listening to. These are the people yeah. who actually yes. have. You also, uh, I also loved also how you put in a big emphasis on the fact that, you know, the people that we should be listening to, you know, you don't just listen to any celebrity imam, you listen to, yeah. you know, you read the people whose work has withstood the test of time. Yeah. I, I use the I use the currency the currency uh, analogy yeah, the currency analogy yes I love that mm-hmm. yeah do you, just, mind, uh, do you mind saying sorry? it do you mind going Cur- over it briefly the currency yeah the current so the currency yeah the currency the currency analogy that, that just goes back to you know I, I use gold you know I said I said you know there you know we judge the living by the dead that 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 that's that's the pro that's the premise so like you go back through time you know there there are there are ulama who have stood the test and they're like gold. So I get examples from like Imam Noe, like, like Imam Yahya Noe, people don't have a bad thing to say about them, mm-hmm. right? Unless they're nuts. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. like, like, like his, his books have stood the test of time and, and they're relied upon for, for Shafi Fiqh, for Hadith, for, for language. That's what they're relied upon. Um, I'm actually working on a biography of him right now. That's one nice, of my, nice. my current projects. Um, so translating a biography by Sheikh Abdelani Dakar, Rahimahullah, who's a, a scholar from Damascus. So those those, those people that those oh the man the path they're like gold right whether it's you know Imam uh, Imam Imam Kudama Al Maqdisi called the Iyad all these great figures and then we have oh the man today oh the man today they're like you know a strong paper currency that's backed up by gold yes. right that's why I think a lot of those other man that I have on my blog or my channel. That's what they are. You know, people this age, and and they represent that old tradition. They represent, or I don't like that word tradition because it gets misused. But they represent um, those are the men. They represent that that gold, right? right? Whereas, and then you have to think of your faith as your life savings. Where are you going to invest it? If you invest your life, your life savings, your faith in some living organization, some living person, and you say this is Islam, this is this is who speaks for Islam, and then that person disappoints you. 
you lose your Islam. Mm -hmm. yeah. that's, that, that's what happens to a lot of people. A lot, a lot, a lot of people do. They, they, they invest everything into like a living person, a living organization. Mm -hmm. And then at some point, that person, that organization disappoints them or breaks their heart. And then they leave Islam. They don't know what to do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, IE, Yaqeen Institute, for example, recently. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, actually, you know, I didn't have this as one of my questions, but I want to bring this up, actually. Um, recently, there was a big, you know, with, with Pride Month coming just uh, coincidentally, uh, there was this big thing with the Clean Institute and them being criticized for the fact that, you know, they, they, they were basically associating themselves and, and, you know, in some cases, bringing on a lot of these politicians, you know, like Ilhan Omar and, and so on, Rashid Atleb and so on, and, and who they were endorsing, but, but at the same time, those exact politicians were going against the religion in very blatant really absurd hmm. ways, especially with the LGBT thing. We have Ilhan Omar who goes, to, who not only uh, supports them or, 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 or even tries to, to draw a political line, which hmm. is she goes to their parties, she parties with them, she dances. She goes, with she goes to the marches and the parades. Yes, and stuff. Yeah. she goes and she endorses their ideology 100%. And recently, I think the big trigger that finally got a lot of people to, you know, join in until I have been basically writing about for quite a while now is that they, they hosted Ilhan Omar at the, at the recent ICNA convention, the one that mm -hmm. happened in Baltimore. There's two of them, uh, one in Chicago and in Baltimore, both, I think, equally popular. And she, she was up there. And, you know, I think a few weeks after that, I think, I, not a few weeks, I think just a month after that, because that was in May, she was endorsing the LGBT stuff because of the Pride Month. And that pissed mm. off a lot of Muslims. And it was, and, you know, a lot of these, these mashayikh, you know, guys like Omar Suleiman and Yasir Qadi, they had to, you know, put up webinars and, you know, uh, Yasir Qadi had a, had a video where, you know, he went over the entire theology of it, which was, by the way, I thought was 100% correct. He, he did go over the theology in a great way. But here's the thing, like, that, that's not what you, sh you should be doing in the situation, in my, in my opinion. And, you know, I want to ask you your view on this, because they were, they were preaching to people in the masajid about these things. I'm saying, no, this is not what you should be preaching about. Like, this is not, we're, we're not confused about the theology. What we're pissed off about, and you know, is is the fact that you're associating themselves with these politicians for you know what you perceive to be this greater good, when in reality it's it, there really there is no good when, when, mm. when they insist on these things and really like yeah, because you're you know, you're, allow, you're allowing I had, I had a brief I, I had a brief say you know argument with Yasal Qadi on Twitter actually I I can't believe he responded to me but yes I was calling him out on on his logic and telling him like listen you're saying you know, and he did not refer to her directly and you know to his credit. He's a great theologian. I respect him a lot. And he did say explicitly that he did not, he did not you know, uh, ever endorse a politician throughout his entire career. He does not encourage anybody to align themselves with either left or right. But he was saying, listen, if you want to align yourself with a politician, you have to consider the good, the, the good and, and you know, the bad and you know, mm. whether the benefit outweighs the, uh, the harms. And I was basically telling him, you know, using that same exact logic, I can be like, listen, I'm a Muslim and I'm going to align myself with the Republicans who, even though they support Israel, even though they can say things that are sometimes perceived as Islamophobic, I support them because they're anti-LGBT, they're anti uh, the castration of children and you know, the grooming of children in these schools. So, you know, I perceive this to be uh, a greater benefit mm -hmm. than whatever harms they, they, they come with. So, you know, using mm -hmm. that same logic that, you know, a lot of Muslims used to support about with people like Ilhan Omar, I'm going to use that same logic for Marjorie Taylor Greene. You know, yeah. why can't I do that same exact thing? Mm. And then he replied to me and said, oh, no, you know, I'm, I'm against, you know, you know, calling them, you can't just call them kafar, you can't, you, you know, you can't do this and that. And, you know, it's like, you know, you're kind of like deflecting at that point. Like, you know, what I'm against right now is the attitude. It's like, 
why can't we as Muslims and you and you as being associated with Muslim organizations, you know, you, Amr Suleiman, whoever, specifically denounce these people and tell them, listen, even though you do a lot of these great things for us, we are, we are not with these things. And, you know, no matter how, no matter how, you know, lovey-dovey you are with the Muslim community. So, you know, either, you know, you get your act together or not. And guess mm-hmm. what? There's, there's two conclusions that come, that come with that. Either, you know, they ignore it completely and that was, that's revealing all within itself. Or they go against you and you get what actually, uh, what the, you, you get the Linda Salsur tactic where they start calling you a misogynist and a transphobe. And that is revealing even more than what they ignored you. Mm. So, you know, I wanted to ask you about that, you know, recent events with, you know, the whole LGBT thing, because, you know, they, they want to draw this big, this big, you know, um, you know, they basically want to draw a line and be like, oh, no, it's the politics and the political rights are different from, you know, the theology. No, no, yeah, that's, that, that's, that's complete, that's a complete just Western Islam nonsense. Exactly. It's, yes. it's complete mm-hmm. nonsense. And yeah, you, you, there's, there's no reason to support this stuff. There's no reason to be involved with this stuff. And it goes back to the, it's um it goes back to probably this one that i talk about in my book i talk about my blog is, is is this again it's it's that whole leftist idea of trying to get the so the quote unquote oppressed minorities to support one another mm-hmm. right like that they're, they're allies because they're all oppressed minorities well, well why why are you assuming because because again you're falling for that leftist neoliberal narrative and you're assuming okay i have to be the victim I have to say that I'm a victim. I have to cry and I have to scream and I have to throw temper tantrums. And then I have to ally myself with other people who throw temper tantrums if they're victimized. And therefore we need to ally ourselves with the LGBTQ plus, whatever they are, um, and everyone else. And it's like, no, no you don't. No, 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 you don't. Like, like create your own structure. Like, again, this, 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 this is, and I think like, like you said earlier, it goes back to the inferiority complex. You just do not have mm-hmm. the self-respect to create your own infrastructure mm-hmm. and just yeah. to do your, do your own thing. You don't have to play along with stuff and, and to take it further, to take it further. And again, there's something I have on my blog and I, I, I talked about this with, uh, uh, or I, I mentioned people like, like the economist Thomas Sowell mentioned this point is that every, like if you take every sort of like ethnic minority group in the, in the, in the U S right. Like Jews, Italians, Germans, or whoever, uh, the Irish, you know, they've always they've they've quickly realized these are groups they've always quickly realized that the way for advancement is poli- is is economic and not political, right? It doesn't matter if you get one of your guys to be the mayor or the senator or the president. It doesn't matter, right? You need to build up your economic base, like get start building businesses, start building schools, start building hospitals, start build, and and build your economic base. And then when when you start doing that, like the Jews have done, like the Amish have done, the Jews especially mm-hmm. like yeah. New York. The politicians come running to you <laughs> yeah because you've got the mind you've got the financial mind they come run to you. you 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 play that you play that game you play that game of uh just politics and just whinging all the time about your problems because this is this thing that, that thomas Sowell pointed out like these people are hustlers right like, like you understand like like jesse like you, t- you take like jesse jackson or al sharpton the last thing that jesse jackson or al sharpton want is black advancement uh-huh. that's the last thing they want because if, 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 if the quote-unquote black community, I don't like this is American Crayola crap language, but, yeah. <laughs> but I'm, saying, I'm saying if, if, the, um, if, the, uh, if black people were to advance and become economically, viable, you know, economically strong and they have their own business and so forth, what happens to people like Al Sharpton and Jesse Jackson? They get ignored. Yeah, right? yeah they get outclassed very quickly. 
Yeah, because they're, they're grieving, because what they are is they're grievance merchants. They're grievance merchants, right? They whinge and they whinge and they whinge. That's what they do. That's, that's their hustle, right? And they, and they go around flying private jets, going to conferences and whinging, right? So they get marginalized. And, and so Thomas told me this point. He said, like, he, he said, but you look at, say, the Jews or the Irish or the Germans, the other, the other groups in the United States, they did, they had their own grievance merchants in the beginning. They did when they first ran the United States. But as soon as they started rising up the economic ladder, those grievance merchants disappeared. Because yeah. no one was listening to them anymore. There was no reason. There's no point. They, were, they, were, they became completely and utterly irrelevant. So, again, Muslims have to catch on to that as well. Like, you need to start moving towards economic self-sufficiency and autonomy and just create your own infrastructure. Just ignore, ignore the mainstream media. Ignore them. They have the power and influence that you give them. Just yeah. ignore them. And so... so and you should see this. So, so like if you if you if you think that Ilhan Omar or Rashida Tlaib like being in Congress, some sort of victory, it's not because they've been yeah. stripped of their, they've been stripped of Islam. Uh huh. Oh, and they're, you, they're I, minos. I wrote this up, wrote this up <laughs> but uh, you know, Ilhan Omar actually, this is still on her website. The, the, so, some time ago, actually, um, I, I forgot what the name of the uh, name of the country. Oh, Brunei. You know, the it's a very small Muslim country in the Pacific. Coast. Yeah, Brunei. Brunei. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, they there there was a time where they actually tried to institute uh, basically you know Sharia law in basically as a big part of their own uh, legislation, and and the 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 one the only you know the the, the congressman then in the United States to condemn them and threaten them with sanctions was guess who Ilhan Omar, a Muslim yeah. going against a Muslim country for trying to make themselves more of a of a religious theocratic government like it's it's, yeah, it's yeah, absolutely yeah. hilarious. Yeah, yeah, and it's, it's completely yeah, contrary. And, so, so, what's the benefit? And, what's know, the benefit uh, of, of these people? You know, to dovetail on that final point of you know building parallel structures, this is this, I want to close out with this question. You know, this last question. I, I know we talked about so much. This is a topic that's personal to me. Um, this started. I wrote an article on my Substack a long time ago called "Muslim Representation in the Media as a Scam," mm-hmm. and the point that I was making was that a lot of you know, I built up this case. You know, for, for the pat for the past, I'd say 20, 25 years, it started even before 9-11, it started when the Gulf War was going on, was that when the Americans were finally getting, you know, an internet um, media view of Muslims and Islam and starting to find out about us en masse, you know, because before that, you see be just the hippie thing, like Lawrence of Arabia, stuff like that. And then all Muslim representation switched and became this whole, either they portray us as terrorists or as mm. oppressed women who are, you know, they're forced yeah. to wear the hijab or whatever. And that was the main, you know, characterization of us for the past, I'd say, 20 years. Yeah. And then, sh- and then another shift happened, which is the one that I absolutely abhor, where they want to portray us as these leftist, apologetic, like, you know, these people who sort of take- Fluffy white teddy bears. Yeah, people who take their religion as, you know, as as not, not seriously, as really, like, mm. as everybody, as, you know, as unseriously as everybody else does. Mm. And, you know, there was this recent show that came out uh, that started called Miss Marvel. Have you heard of this? Yes, unfortunately. Yes. Uh, and re- really just other than being a, a very horribly done cringe production, even on its own, it, it portrayed exact it portrayed exactly what I had written about. And which is this apologetic, you know, like, oh, you know, oh, look at our faith. You know, our, we're just going to joke about our faith and and treat everything as it makes a mockery of Islam. makes a yeah, mockery of yeah. Islam. Let's I mean, this is yeah. this absolutely horrible scene. I, wrote, I actually had a, I had a Twitter thread that did pretty well where I, I, I commentated on the I tried to watch the first episode. It was a very painful experience, but I did it. Yeah, come along. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it's subhanAllah, like I was, I was going through this and there's this absolutely horrible scene where 
their the the son, you know, the brother of the main character is making that for the dinner, and and the father just it goes, oh, you know, he says something along the lines of, this is supposed to be a gaffe and a joke, like, oh, why, why don't you stop and put some food in your mouth already? And you know, the, uh, Dr. Shadi Al Masri, he he, uh, he quoted he quoted a tweet about this too, showing this clip. He goes, how are you going to make fun of that when literally this is like the crux of our religion, this yeah. is our deen, and it's 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 as if. A bunch of you know uh, liberal white Americans wrote the show, but if you go and and see who made the show and who were the main writers, it was Muslims who grew up in the West. They yeah, exactly. were the ones who wrote the show. It's yeah. so demoralizing and disappointing. Yeah. And so they so they I, see their they see their Islam as a joke. Exactly, okay. and yeah. <laughs> and and you know me being in, in direct opposition to this, I'm not just going to sit here and complain about it. I am I'm an artist and an author myself. Mm. Uh, you know, and I I re- recently I think. Last Tuesday, I released my uh, for debut science fiction novel, which uh, I've been oh, working on for the last three years. Huh? Oh, mashallah. Oh, yes. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I, I, it, the, the audio is getting a little weird. But yeah, okay. alhamdulillah, uh, thank you so much. I've been basically trying to p- provide an alternative. And that obviously, that was not my main goal. I think anybody who, who sets out with that as their main goal is going to fall short in some way. Because what I did was I explored certain ideas that interested me that I was obsessed with for quite a while as an artist. And what I did was that I, I used my Islam, you know, you know I, I don't, I don't actually, I don't want to say I use my Islam. I included my Islam as a way, you know, really as a way of, you know, exploring these topics in a genuine dignifying theologically correct way. And what I wanted to ask you was that how can more Muslims do that? You know, and, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying I'm a big example, you know, hopefully I did, a, I did a good job. Uh, there's a lot of people who bought the book, um, and by the way, for listening, buy the book, um, <laughs> uh, who, you know, I am going to get feedback from them, but, you know, for most of the people who've read it so far, you know, from among my beta readers, especially some Muslims, they say that they that they love, you know, the, the breath of fresh air, where some characters are displayed as actually, you know, portraying their deen in a very dignifying way, where they pray and they make dua, and they, you know, really, they're unapologetic about any of the aspects of their religion, and they don't treat it as a mockery as the way yeah. like, where shows like Miss Marvel or Midnight Mass or whoever treat it. Yeah. So I want to ask you, what is the most important thing if you are a Muslim creator, whether you create books or art or movies or shows? And, you know, I'm of the opinion that if you're going to start building these parallel structures, one of the most important aspects is the media and, you know, entertainment and stuff like that. What should we keep in heart and mind if you are intent on spreading this message to the, to the people, you know, you know, and if Allah wills that, uh, you know, have art that can stand on its own as a form of dawah, you know, I'm sure you, you know, the, the, the 1967 movie, The Message, mm. you've, you've seen it, like people, yeah. I, it, I I think like, I don't know exact numbers, but I, thousands of people accepted Islam, you know, mm. throughout the decades because of that movie, and you, it's, it's super popular to this day, and I rewatched it recently, and I saw exactly why, it's because it's, even though, you know, even by, I think, uh, the standards of the time, it wasn't a very well done movie. It was yeah. done in such a proud and you know dignifying way that yeah. it caused so many people to look into Islam and even a lot of people to accept Islam because of this. Mm. So really, how can we replicate that? Okay, that's a long question. Uh, yeah, sorry, but you know, but, I, I really had to ask this. <laughs> okay, well, well, I'll, I'll, I'll start from the foundations and move up. I think. Yes. Okay, if we're if we're talking if we're talking about parallel structures. Right. I, I, I think really it's, it's about, I think Muslims really need to start thinking about creating their own markets, creating their own products, using their networks, um, and even going, going as far as buying your own land. That's something you can do in the United States, which you can't actually do in the UK, for example. Like you can actually buy your own land 
and you actually have the rights of the land. You don't need permission from anyone. In the UK, you can't do that. No matter no matter how much land you quote unquote buy, whatever the Queen still owns the land. <laughs> that's that's hilarious. I didn't know that actually. Like I did, better mind. Like like on campus, if you if you just go just go online and search and see like who who the largest landowners are in the world. Mm-hmm. Queen Elizabeth is number one because she is the legal landowner of the United Kingdom, Canada, Australia, and several other places. Yeah. Right, and then it's followed by the King of Saudi Arabia, and then it's followed by private American citizens. Oh yeah, Bill Gates. Right, right, yeah, yeah, Ted Turner and these kind of people, right? Yeah. Um, so you know the fact, especially so, especially if you're in America, the fact that you can do this, the fact that you can actually buy land, and then you can uh, you could you know create your own sort of say subdivision, create your own town, different rules and states. There, you know, the, the 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 structure is there, the legal structure is there for you to create your own infrastructure. Mm-hmm. right that this is something I want, like pe- people need to like think about like like you you have those means and then with the internet as well in terms of creating trade network in terms of creating communication networks like what you and i are doing right now there's there's so many tools available um that you just you just really have to like bypass this stuff so like like most of have to figure out like this, you have to understand this mass society of centralized media and centralized business it's dying right cnn like 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 CNN and Fox and these new things, like they're they're uh, there's one study that was done a few years ago. So like like the, like the average viewer is like 70, 70 years old or something, <laughs> yeah. right? They're, they're, like their their audience is literally dying off, mm-hmm. right? And and people are getting their news from social media and so forth. Now in terms in terms of creators, yeah, if you, if you can write a novel where you actually show Muslims being heroic as muslims that is that is exactly what i did uh yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, I don't think i even mentioned the name of my book it's called the blood of the levant it's a science an alternate history science fiction and you know basically so, sorry for cutting you off just very briefly that's mm. really what i tried to do i tried to show muslims in a heroic light without you know this ridiculous mockery that's based in western standards so yeah yeah so so, so, if, so i'm saying if, if, if you're trying to portray a muslim hero and he's a muslim hero in the sense, well, what is he or she, right? But mm-hmm. let's say he is trying to, because that's, 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 that's the gender neutral term. Is he uh, yeah, I do. Uh, yes, I actually, actually, there, there actually are, you know, female uh, heroes in, in my book, but, you know, they do it in a very, you know, in a much better way, but that's a whole bit different discussion on its own. Yeah, but, yeah. You know, I mean, but, but I'm sorry, but, but what is a woman? Oh, yeah. <laughs> what is a woman? What a great what question. <laughs> it's like, they, 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 they completely forgot until yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if we went from what is a woman to women's rights anyway uh but what i'm saying is if, if you could portray the, the the muslim hero he or she as someone who actually has 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 a righteous objective mm-hmm. right which would be to, to to establish islam to establish justice and it's not an ego trip it's not about them it's about they're doing it for Allah's word i mean i'll give you an example like one, one thing i think that that uh like i don't agree with everything this, this, these these people have done but i think like that the overall message is good uh, mm-hmm. i don't know if you've seen all those turkish series like with etrol and osman and Turkey, yes 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 that's also a very good one um a lot of uh, a lot of arab countries absolutely freaked out when they saw that because they, yeah, they, they, they see they see like neo-ottoman propaganda yeah, they, they thought it was uh they thought it was ottomanist propaganda which is absolutely hilarious but yes right, take over. that's a great example of a show that shows muslims in a heroic light and it's, yeah it's, and it's, I, but, but, but i think but, show, yeah yeah, but I think one, but I think one, like one example, one example I remember. Uh, I'm, I'm watching the, like the whole thing, but like one thing I, I remember, there was one season where Etero, um he takes over a, a castle from the Christians, 
Okay. Yes. He, he, he takes over Catholic Christian, and this is a big victory for them. And 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 um, and then he's and then he's in the throne room of the castle, right? Mm-hmm. And he goes and he sits behind them. He doesn't actually sit on the room. He sits behind the throne. And he's just sort of like by himself. And then his wife wants to go in and see him, but then his soldiers say, "No, no, he wants me by himself. You can't." Even, I'm his wife. I'm like, no, he's by by himself. And he's inside, and he's making du'a, and he says, "Oh Allah, don't let me do this because I love the throne." or I love power, or I love position in this world. Beautiful, yeah. Only let me do this for your sake. Yes. Keep me humble. Keep me, uh, like, cognizant of my obudia to yes. you. Right, like, like, that's powerful. That's powerful. That's, that's what people need to see, yeah, right? Because really when, like when you break down a lot right. of that stuff, because the, the way they do that really well in that show is, is, they, is they show, they show that, like, again, this is such an important thing for us. Bear in mind, okay, it's this you have to have himma in this world, right? We have this himma alia. You have to have like ambition. You have to want to do something, yes, yes. right? Because everyone has himma, right? Or, or let's say put it this way the people have himma. If you don't have himma and someone else has himma, that person will run you over. Uh huh. Right? If, if you don't have, if, if you're just there, like just a bystander, someone else with himma, and that, and that person might be righteous, that person might be malevolent. Mm-hmm. But they'll, they'll yeah. steam past it, right? So what you'll see in this show, what, what they're going to showing is you might you might ha- you'll have a Muslim, that's Ethel Osman. You'll also have like a Mongol ruler or a Christian ruler. They also have himma. Uh-huh. They also have himma, right? And as soon as a Muslim gets weak and thinks, well, I, I know I just want to live a comfy life. Why are we always fighting? Why are we going to war? But right, as soon as he gives up and says, I just want to be peaceful, right? He gets steamrolled. <laughs> uh-huh yeah exactly right? like, yeah. like a mongol or a christian will just steamroll because they have more him but it's like but so as a muslim it's like you, you have to have this him but on top of that is the neo saliha on top yes. of that is the righteous object where you're doing and this for okay. Allah. yes yeah 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 you're, you're doing it for a law you're not doing it for riyah you're not doing it because you want you want some reputation huh? because yeah what because the way it is with say with a christian the mongol is like it's just power for power's sake Mm-hmm. right or it's it's the money for money's sake whereas like the muslim has, has to have the has himma as well but it's like it's 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 the cherry on the cake is that nia for allah I'm, I'm doing this for allah it's not it's not just a big plan or objective or, or a himma it's a it's a it's a righteous nia so like if, if if you can do that in your books and you can portray a muslim like that then that's what people would really benefit from and that's what people love to see and yeah, yeah. Right. And something else too that um, you know, this is something that I try to do, and you know, I've, I've discussed this with a lot of people. Um, is that you know, there's always like whenever you try, if you try Muslim representation in any kind of media, there's always it always ends up being one of two things: either their Islam is an afterthought, and you know, mm. it's all based in you know the wrong thing. He or, happens to be Muslim. Yeah, yeah. Who just happens to be Muslim, or yeah. you end up with the kind of Muslim story where it's it's become extremely cringe and preachy. Even though you know it, it, the latter is really isn't that much of a problem nowadays, but you know it, it becomes like this sort of horribly done. Like, oh, we're, you, I'm gonna turn I'm gonna turn my story into one big Islamic lecture without any sort of uh, story development. Yeah. Without any of the actual skill that goes with forming a story and a journey for that character, mm. because really, like. I think what would be really nice is if we started writing more stories of Muslims who, you know, they were they're originally in a very horrible place and they go through that hero's journey and then find Allah and Islam mm. that way. Yeah, 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 yeah. absolutely, yeah. that'd be good. Yeah, because again, as as long as long as it shows the the character recognizing his obudiyah to Allah, yes, and 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 the beauty of that, and then developing from there. That that's that, that that's that's such a, such a 
such a key thing. Yeah, and a lot, a lot of Muslims like they they want to write stories like that too, but they're they, either they're they're too cowardly, they're too shy, they don't want to do it because they mm. feel like they're going to be too preachy, or mm. they, they just don't they don't have that fire in them to actually do to to mm. unapologetically do something like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, really, this was amazing. I'm I'm very happy with this. Thank you so much. Um, yeah. Do you want? I'm, I, I want to give you the floor. Just really promote all your stuff. That where can people find you and read you? Okay. Um, so you can find you can find me on. Well, I have my blog first and foremost, right? That that's uh, just Matthew Locke. You typed it in my blog, mm-hmm. blogspot.com. I'll, I'll include all the links to this, by the way. And then there's my channel, the forward, my YouTube channel, the forward. Um, I'm also on Telegram. I have a small little Telegram channel. Um, oh yes, yes. Um, which I call the forward, which I just post little things up there, post updates, and mm-hmm. uh, I do videos, I do blogs, and then I do publishing. Um, I'm on Lulu. I have five books on Lulu. Um, yes, only the big step. Yes, the, the opening of the hearts, Shahrukh's door by Mama Siyulti, mm-hmm. uh, and then a couple more books by Mama Hamid Tawil. Yes, yes, many great uh, translations. I see. Yeah, and then uh, and then the, the other the other big publisher that I work with uh, is Nawa Books in Singapore. So on their website, I have like El Wafis up there, which is the Shargar bin Noawiya. And then I've got I'm I'm doing a series. I'm working on a series of these things. Like, um, yeah, th- th- these are always just next to me. And they're oh, not, nice. not, from, yeah. not from promotional purposes. <laughs> <laughs> no, so this, this, this is one book called so just a book yes. on du'a and etiquettes um, and then there's a, a series called Abhat al-Qimah by Imam Bolti, which I'm yes, on and, uh, have you also written a book on uh, the Waqf system yes 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 uh, uh, so, that, so that's I need to do a republishing that that was originally um, well there's, there's there's two things about it that that book started way back in 2014 I published a book it was it was Al-Khatib al-Shirbini's Shar I'm a chef in Fiqh Mm-hmm. Um, his shot on Imam Noe's Minhaj Atalibin is the Bab of Waqf, right? So that was, that was a full length a book covering all the fiqh of Waqf. And then a, the appendix of that was from the book Min Wara'i Hadaratina by Dr. Mustafa Sibai about Oqaf in hospitals and Oqaf in medical institutions and Oqaf in general. And then I took that and I published that as The Wonders of Waqf. Oh, nice, nice. Right? Uh, which is on Lulu, which I published like, like as a few yes. years ago. But I, I do intend to do like another uh edition of the book of walk and like throwing the arabic text and bringing more appendices and make it make it really exciting so um that, i'll probably do that with now my books um so yeah I've, there's there's a lot uh going on I, I, you've mentioned i mentioned before like like current projects is i'm working on uh like i mentioned mama noe's biography um next up on fiqh i've got this series by mama bolti um yes. which is a series of 10 books i'm on the fifth book now Three books are available. They're on the Noah Books website. Mm-hmm. Um, one called the first one called called Man Justice on Earth. Um, I'm doing some like halakat on it now. I started doing okay. one in person with with an with Indian Shafi community here in the UK, and I'm going to be doing one with people in Malaysia and Singapore online uh, mm-hmm. after Eid, inshallah. And I might do one for people in the US. <laughs> okay, that's <laughs> that's, do... that's that's great. Okay. Yeah, I, also, I just need to find a time and everything to do it like just once a month, just once a month halakha for people in the US okay. or North America. And I'm also working on a book on depression uh, with a friend of mine. Uh, it's based on a series that Imam al-Bolti did about depression in the Quran, yes, how the Quran right. treats depression. Yes, Imam al-Bolti, yes. Uh, I, I, I know, um, actually, I found out about him because uh, my mother, actually, she, she used to read a lot of his books when she was younger. Oh, wow, mashallah. She's, she's Syrian. Oh, mashallah. Okay, mashallah, mashallah. Okay. From, from Dimashq. Uh, 
Yeah, I'll, I'll, I won't say much, but yes, yes. Okay, that general area. Okay. Yeah, general area. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, so that that's that that's what I'm doing. So you'll find my. So I'll, I'll post my stuff on my blog, and I, I, I do want to do more podcasting. I, just, I get so I get caught with so many. Yeah, I got some different things, but yeah. So if you, if you follow me on my blog or on my channel or on um, my YouTube channel or on telegram, that's what you'll find what I'm up to. In All right. Terms of publications uh, and whatnot. Thank Inshallah. you so much. Jazakallah. Uh, really. Um, uh, hopefully uh, for everyone listening, um, I really, I don't think I need to promote myself. Um, I published a book recently. Go and find it. I have the link everywhere. Um, other than that, um, hopefully uh, I move on with this. Um, I interview a lot more people who I think I think whose voices should be heard a lot more than say the mainstream. And uh, that's it. Uh, Salam alaikum. See you. <laughs>